Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Media Boat Podcast special 2020 year-end wrap-up. If you don't know what that means, uh, well, you have a lot of podcasts to catch up on. But if you do know what this means, um, well, regardless, I'll give you the, like, the short and sweet version. The year-end wrap-up is our opportunity here at the Media Boat Podcast, a podcast that talks about movies, television, video games, and music, not necessarily in that order, to talk about the year that was, to recap all the important news stories that we covered over the course of the calendar year, and then, when it's all over, pick one news story that stands up above the rest, head, shoulders, that we think is the most important in its category. Then, at the other end of that, we talk about our top five lists, of our favorite things in that category from the calendar year. And then we decide one thing to rule them all, our media boat favorite thing of that category over the course of the year. We've already done shows about about video games and music. Uh, Those are ready for you to listen to right now by the time you're listening to this. Today, we are talking about the subject of television And then next we'll be talking about film. And then we'll have a bonus fifth podcast for you that will also be a anticipation podcast about what's to come in 2021. So we got a lot to cover, a whole year to talk about. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. Thank you for that very long monologue and the introduction. I had to get everything in there. I had to cram it all in. Just like a Speaking of cramming things in, we have a lot to talk about in TV. (laughs) We do. Also... Um, I have an idea right now of what I think the number one story should be. Okay, but, but we'll see. We will get there, see if it matches up. I think it I have it written down at the bottom of our notes. Perhaps uh, we will, get, we will there. get there. But before we do that, we have to start way at the beginning of the calendar year of 2020. What we were talking about in a pre-pandemic world before everything was locked down and production had halted. Let's take back to January. Why don't we? Yes, back to January, where the most terrible thing to ever happen in our lives <laughs> was friends no longer being on that. <laughs> I mean, this has now been resolved for anybody who has HBO Max. You can now find it there, the new home of friends, because they spent millions of dollars to purchase it away from Netflix. Um, so, yeah, really all it means is that it's being relocated. If you have one of those services, you should still have access to net, uh, to, to friends all the episodes of Friends. Right. Also, back in January, we had the big scandal of the Red Sox and the Houston Astros sign stealing during the 2018 and 2017 postseason oh, and man. regular season. Remember back when we thought this was going to be an important story this year, that this was going to affect the whole year of baseball? Little did we know that just a couple of months later, something else would affect the sports world way, way more than sign stealing ever could. So now this has kind of been tidally swept under the rug. The 2020 season was able to happen in baseball without this being really an issue. Uh, real quickly, I'm just going to jump ahead. During the result of this Red Sox sign stealing scandal was Alex Cora being fired as the manager. Right. Fast forward to about <laughs> October after the uh-huh. season ended, the Red Sox had rehired said Alex Cora back as their yeah. manager for the 2021 season. So essentially, 
we have the pandemic to thank question mark or to blame probably more accurately for this entire scandal being a footnote in baseball history and no one will remember it. So there you go. <laughs> uh, we also had the, um, there it is the Astros. Yeah. Uh, the very next thing. Yeah. <laughs> the Astros <laughs> major league baseball sign stealing scandal. Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, no, I think it would have been a bigger deal if the pandemic had happened. I had tickets, if regular listeners to the show will know that I had tickets to the first regular season Astros game that didn't happen. Um, And yeah, if I had been there and just to live the chaos, that would have been fun, but it never happened. Yep. Um, We also had congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs for winning the Super Bowl. Yes, and we had... um, uh, and big... LSU Tigers for winning the NCAA football championship. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, not a whole lot to talk about with Super Bowl this year. It was kind of a non-event. Uh, the game was, um, eh. and the the halftime show was. Eh. Um, the game was flipped on its head because the Niners got up early, right, and then posed in the end zone with the defense (laughs) and they never scored again. Yeah. It was also the crowning of Patrick Mahomes as he won. Not only was he Madden cover of the year, (laughs) he was the MVP of the league. And then he was the MVP of the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then he got paid this past off season to the tune of $500 million over 10 Damn. years. Damn. But man, if everybody in that stadium that day and at home at their mini Super Bowl parties had known that that was probably the last big celebration they would be at for months, they probably would have partied a little hardier. I mean, <laughs> I know some people who partied hard because they were <laughs> Chiefs fans. Oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah. That'll do it. Um. Oh, yeah. Uh, real briefly, I know we're talking a lot about sports, but... Yeah, but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, Derek Jeter was inducted to the Hall of Fame, yeah. but not unanimously, yes. as there was one person out there who did not vote for Derek Jeter to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Derek Jeter has their number. Right. <laughs> and then um, in actual like TV news towards yeah. the end, we had Phoebe Waller-Bridge, star of Fleabag, and coming off of the Emmy wins and the Golden Globe wins and the SAG wins and every other <laughs> win that she had decided to start her own production company in what was a continuing trend from last year and into this year of actors and directors mm-hmm. starting their own production companies. Yeah. I mean, when you're on a hot streak, you got to keep going. And this is a really smart thing to do. It gives you creative control over product projects that you are involved in, which is really is a way better deal than what it used to be, which is basically signing your life away to a network and, uh, and uh, having the network dictate your terms. So this is just the new way of business being done in Hollywood. Right. But this is also a part of the overall um, story that we had from last year, which was with the WGA mm-hmm. and the DGA and how their agents were making bad deals in their names in order to get better deals on their production companies that they also had a a financial stake in. Yeah. Ooh, 
I see one on this that you do not have highlighted. Is that it this we one? Absolutely. Need, yes. That we need to talk about. I think it's this one. People, we need to talk about Quibi. <laughs> well, we'll get there because during the Super Bowl, we were ad blitzed with Quibi yes. and nobody Quibi. knew exactly what it was. Yeah. But then again, neither did Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the long story short version of Quibi is that it was a bad idea, I think, in a pandemic or in a year without a pandemic. The idea was is a bite-sized entertainment app that lets you watch shows on your phone that only lasted 10 minutes and the five to 10 minutes each. And the idea was, is that if we were an up and go get Adam society, constantly moving around, we didn't have time to sit down on our couches and or beds and or chairs and tables to watch long form entertainment. No, we want to watch portable short bite entertainment. Well, it happened, it released, nobody cared, and then a pandemic happened. And so everybody was stuck where? At home, on their couches, in their beds, on their tables, with no need to watch quick, short entertainment and a voracious appetite for long form. <laughs> Needless to say, by the end of the year, uh, Quibi was buried and gone. And within the, within the, the realm of months, um, Quibi came and went. Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of premium short-form content on the go. (laughs) Yeah. But YouTube exists. Exactly. YouTube exists. For free. You can do all that. I don't have to sign up for anything. Right. You watch the occasional ad, but besides, unless you're a a lunatic who signs up for YouTube premium, um, you're you're like, yeah, there's no reason to create a thing that makes that, like, I mean, yes, they try to get celebrities. They try to get... Uh, stars to kind of promote these show ideas and just they were not good enough for anybody to care so yeah rest in peace Quibi right Um, also in February uh, Kobe Bryant I don't know if we talk about that here or under the view but that was a big deal in Yes. In our world. It sent um, ripples throughout the year as people mourned his loss. There were memorial services. There were tributes in multiple award shows and other events. Um, It was a big loss. Uh, People were very saddened by the loss of both Kobe and his daughter. It was was rough. It was real rough, and I think we're still feeling it. Yeah, um, the All-Star Game uh, MVP Award was renamed the Kobe Bryant MVP Award. Yes, yes, because which, of it. I, which I think is an excellent choice. Right. Also, um, this was kind of a year where things did end. We had the end of Game of Thrones with Emmy mm-hmm. nominations. Yep. The end of Modern Family, the end of uh, The Good Place yep. with us, and the end of Schitt's Creek. Yep. A lot of things ended this year. Yeah. Um, I think it was just, I think we talked about this kind of around the time it was happening and on our, uh, to, to at this point, unreal, un, unfinished and unreleased uh, March Madness podcast, um, where we're talking about TV is just that I feel like a lot of people felt like the end of a decade, the end of the 2010s was a good time as any to bring their projects to a close and have a new start on the other side of 2020. Right. Oh, yeah. That's another thing that ended. 
Judge Judy, after That's 25 true. years, decided to end. Yeah, she's, of course, not feeling hard on in any way because she has plenty of money to uh, rest on for the rest of her life. <laughs> right. And then we get into March where yes. nothing exciting happened. Because everything ended. <laughs> so, well, the upfronts were supposed to happen, mm-hmm. uh, but... Those got changed to a virtual upfront, which I think were kind of a success. And I wouldn't be surprised that this is the way it goes moving forward. I mean, that's a conversation a lot of different in- industries are happening are having right now and throughout the year. Uh, is hey, are these things that we used to have big gala events for? Is it necessary when we can just have a streaming thing that everybody can watch at home? Yep. Uh, we also had a lot of sports free agency moving around. Yeah. yeah. Mainly Tom Brady being a buccaneer. Yeah, I think that was probably the biggest story of this kind of time. Um, it ended up kind of not mattering from what I understand. I mean, they are going to make the playoffs. Yeah, but we could have seen that coming. Right, but it did bring Gronk out of retirement. <laughs> That's true. Some that people found true. that um, relatively fun. Yeah. Uh, and I think I'm going to... We're kind of, I don't know if we passed it or not, but <laughs> oh yeah, the XFL. That's where we go. Yeah, the XFL also died, came and died this year. Yeah, we kind of reported towards the end of last year that there were efforts uh, by the McMahons to bring it back. It did come back at the beginning of the year, but with concerns over coronavirus, had to shut down. And by that point, it was just hemorrhaging money, and it had to go away. The company dissolved. That being said, later in the calendar year, we found out that some celebrities were going to try to revive it yet again. Um, There were reports that The Rock was coming in and trying to resuscitate it with millions of dollars to bring back at a later date. So, And he did. Well, not alone. He did with a um, a big bid with other investors. But the XFL is indeed coming back with Dwayne The Rock Johnson (laughs) as... It's CEO slash president. Yeah. And honestly, I trust the rock more than I do Vince McMahon. Uh, Needless to say. So I'm happy that there's somebody there's strong leadership behind it. That isn't a terrible, uh, that isn't a terrible person. So uh, maybe the XFL will be good question mark, question mark when it comes back, but we'll see. Well, they have said that they want to have more minority owners. Yeah. Or want them to have more of a stake in in running the teams yeah so we'll see how that (laughs) ends up going yeah but with that being canceled and we're in the middle of march this does bring up um probably the first and Mm -hmm. i'm going to say it my front runner of a story (laughs) it's not highlighted here Uh but it does have to do with coronavirus yes and that is the nba yeah rudy gobert in that interview saying i don't believe in the coronavirus then getting up and touching all the mics <laughs> only to be tested positive mere yeah. hours later literally not only shut down the nba <laughs> shut down every other sport that week of yes. march 11th yes i mean that was that's going to go down um, in history as the week that everything stopped is you had sports kind of was the first domino to fall. I remember being in an office 
still going to work. Uh, that was my birthday week, you know, like I had. That was like, our last in-person podcast. <laughs> that was our last person podcast that night as well. And it was just very much like the feeling of, oh, if sports go down, what's next? Everything else. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. You're right. It was kind of the tides turning in a way, that event, that one single event, because you had the what was the prevailing attitude at the time that people wanted so badly to ignore and dismiss the virus as something that wasn't happening, that you did have people like literally throwing tantrums essentially on live television uh, because they didn't want to believe that it was true. And then boom, as soon as he tests positive, everything, everybody realizes, oh no, this is a real thing. Right, because going into March, leading up to Selection Sunday for the men's NCAA basketball tournament, yeah, everyone was looking forward to that. Yes, and you know, and literally, it was yeah that Wednesday leading up to March fifteenth, that Sunday. Literally, in those four days, everything shut down. And I think if you extrapolate basketball as kind of the key part of this, is that it ended up like kind of forming a solution that no other sports league really got the same way um, in, in, to deal with um, the coronavirus and its effect on the league. Uh, their bubble, uh, which we'll go, which we'll surely talk about a little later, was ended up being the most efficient and safest way to do a sport. Um, and yeah, the other sports just couldn't catch up. Um, that's also kind of rolling into why I think NBA just in general might be our story of the year it's possible um i would probably say maybe we should have a sports i believe this is the way we've done in the past with a sports story and a television story possible um i don't think so if we haven't we should okay especially in a year like this where sports was its own bubble if you will (laughs) (laughs) but we can talk about that a little later Right. And then also with sports, um, the Olympics being delayed as well. Yes. Yes. The, just, the... If anything wasn't canceled or delayed by yeah. now, like the second week in March, mm-hmm. it officially was. Yeah. The, the Olympics being its own kind of roller coaster ride. I remember the back and forth going on on an international stage about whether or not they were going to follow through with it. Ultimately, they did decide to uh, delay it. As of this recording, it is still scheduled to take place next summer in 2021. Uh, Whether that actually happens or not, I think is 100% reliant on vaccine availability for the athletes and the safety of Japan, where it's taking place. Right. And that gets us into April. Yes. Where, yep, the Sinclair Broadcasting (laughs) Group which, you know, owns 21 regional sports networks across the nation, did something kind of good and set up a emergency fund for its mm-hmm. freelance production workers. Yeah, I mean, you saw variations of this throughout every industry this year where people were basically uh, pulling the, the emergency cord and trying to help out as much as they could their employees. You also saw the opposite. You also saw giant corporations laying off thousands upon thousands of their employees because they just couldn't afford to pay them, supposedly. Um, and yeah, I think even Sinclair being affected by this um, is is a, a st- like stands to show how wide-ranging uh, this is. I think as a company overall, I don't think Sinclair had quite an effect on this year as much as they did last year, which we talked about in last year's wrap up. 
That being said, we did see the after effects of a lot of the choices that they made last year. We saw finally all of their regional sports networks being pulled from all of the streaming services, uh, creating this division between um, cable, traditional cable methods and streaming services when it comes to getting your regional sports. Right. I mean, that's one of the main reasons that we have cable because <laughs> regional sports. You need that Fox and Sports Dodgers, West. And they're not streaming. Even if we get the MLB package. Right. They're blocked out. Itself, they're still blocked out. Yep. You got to have the regional sports. Yep. That's how you get you. Right. And also because of this pandemic, Bob Iger had to delay his own um, exit from Disney. I mean, more or less, he did kind of uh, reassume his role as executive chairman. But it seems like as the year went on, we saw less and less of a presence there. Um, Unless he is a big puppet master in the back, uh, we saw other names kind of making the big announcements for the studio from then on. Right. And then we also saw Ticketmaster having to refund its tickets to sporting events. Man, yes, this was this is less of a television story, more of a sports story. But yeah, I think it definitely is uh, has to be mentioned just the cluster of everybody trying to get refunds on either sports tickets or concert event tickets and just being given the boot until finally they were like, I guess we got to do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but there was a bright spot in April and that is HBO Max. (laughs) Or at least no, it came out in May. Yes. Let's just move on to May. <laughs> so <laughs> because, HBO <yes>. Max. <laughs> what a year HBO wow. Max has had. I mean, it went from being the big, the new kid on, on the block, you know, trying to take on Disney Plus. And then it launched and everybody was like, actually, this is pretty, this is a lot of content. This is pretty good. But then there was the lull. Then there was nothing for months. And people wondered, like, what were they planning to do with this thing? And of course, then just last month, they dropped the bombshell of the year and basically said, hey, all the Warner movies for 2021, you can see them here, too, just with your regular subscription price. We'll get to more stories like that a little later in the podcast. But HBO Max just had a banner crazy nutso year uh, in its first year of existence. Right, and it offered a lot right off the bat because of the Warner Media brands. Yes, like Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, Crunchyroll, HBO, Tunes, HBO. There was a lot of content there, but I think unlike Disney, a lot of it wasn't rolling off on a weekly basis, and a lot of it wasn't new on a weekly basis. They didn't focus on original content, which is something that they more or less said they weren't going to do when they announced the service. That being said, when you have Disney kind of uh, hogging all the spotlight with shows like The Mandalorian being a weekly sensation for them this year, uh, the HBO Max content just didn't matter. And it wasn't really until um, the big announcement about the movies uh, co-streaming that people cared. We just had a conversation this morning with a couple of friends Um, that have not been subscribers to the service that now have been convinced because of that availability of those movies on day one. Right. And I have been joking that if you didn't get HBO Max before, guess what you're getting for Christmas? Yeah, you got to get it now. Subscription for HBO Max because with it, you get Wonder Woman that day, Christmas Day. It's, oh, I have it. 
here, log me in. We'll watch it as a family and yeah. everyone can play with their presents or whatever, but <laughs> log you in and there you go. It's HBO Max. And then you have all the HBO content that goes with it. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, I think the jury is still out about the overall quality of that service. I honestly still it, like think it depends on how they do the movie rollout starting on Christmas Day and how the rest of 2021 uh, treats them. But ultimately, right now, I'd say for $12.99 a month, it's actually a pretty decent deal. Uh, it's $14.99 a month. Did it go up since launch? No, it was always 15 was I getting a special deal? Oh, yes. Maybe I was. <laughs> yes. If you uh, ordered it before it launched. Right. You're right. You got a special deal. Also, I think if you order it now, like as of like right now, you can get six months at a discounted rate. Well, there you, you go. Pay up front for those six months. I mean, we're not sponsored by Warner, but maybe we should be. <laughs> hey, we're not sponsored by Disney Plus either, but we, yeah. maybe we should be. Yeah, maybe we should be as well. <laughs> So let's keep looking at the the year that was here. Right. Uh, We had the the switch of Viacom CBS to bring its content to YouTube TV. Yeah. Which you had to make the switch from Hulu (laughs) live to YouTube TV. Well, I mean, um, that switch predates this, but... uh, but the big news here was the merger. Uh, so the Viacom CBS thing was kind of in the works in the prior year. It finally happened this year. And um, it did have some interesting effects on the television industry. It did free them up to offer their services and their channels to more streaming services uh, like YouTube TV and Hulu. Um, another thing that it did is it kind of had ripples from their smaller uh, into their smaller um, like things that they owned. A lot of their websites ended up being resold to other companies because of this merger happening. Um, yeah, it was, it was a big um, example of consolidation and maybe considering the new uh, administration that's coming into office in January, maybe one of the last big ones we're going to see for a while um, if more regulations start showing up. Right. Um, we did briefly mention it in our podcast, but Ajit Pai, commissioner mm-hmm. of the SEC, will be stepping down come yeah. January. Yes. This will have a major effect on how the FCC does business. So we will have to see how that ends up next year. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in a surprise move, Batwoman, herself mm-hmm. Ruby Rose, decided to leave the series titled Batwoman ahead of its second season announcement. Yeah, they ended up having to recast the role. Ultimately, it was given to an actress that we unfortunately do not have the name for in front of me. Uh, but uh, it's yeah, down there. It's down there somewhere. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was a big question mark for a second. It's like, well, why did Ruby Rose leave the show? Why, what was uh, the CW going to do? The CW kind of also had kind of a weird transitional year for their DC Comics uh, content. Uh, Some of their classic shows like Arrow ended and some of the newer ones were able to kind of be promoted up to the up to the forefront. Um, And this was part of that kind of uh, revolving door of um, things moving around in the CW lineup. Right. Which, you know, is some good news. But, but speaking some of good some news. good news, <laughs> might not actually be some good news. 
Or was as, it? It was good news to John Krasinski. <laughs> I mean, I made a lot of people salty. Oh, yeah. So if you guys weren't around the internet during uh, the early months of the pandemic. You might not know what some good news was, but it was a YouTube show that John Krasinski was doing basically from his house, uh, promoting stories that he thought were wholesome and good uh, to combat the negative uh, overall feeling that the news was in 2020. Well, some... Um, Viacom execs uh, caught wind of this and there was a bidding war uh, to pick up uh, this series for an actual uh, real series on television. And they ended up winning by spending uh, a lot of money for it. Right. Even though John Krasinski only produced eight episodes on a weekly basis, he cashed in at an unspecified amount yeah you don't have the number here but i remember it being in millions of dollars well yeah but you know he only had eight episodes with 17 million viewers yeah and yet yeah that was enough for a series although it did note that he would not be hosting the series right producing and getting a create creative uh credit for it yeah it was really just about the content more than it was about the star but eh, we'll see but in some actual good news (laughs) the simpsons had on disney plus got their original aspect ratio back after being months promised it would come after yeah after a while of people of fans complaining that they couldn't see uh the shows in the original aspect ratio they finally got it it was a little too little too late, though. I feel like by the time that they actually put it out, a lot of people had already had their little phase where they were rewatching the early episodes of The Simpsons. I sure, I certainly had. Um, so it was a little like d- disappointing to get it so late. But that being said, now if you want to watch all those things, you can get it in the way it was meant to be watched. And then we get into June, and the protests start happening. Yes, yes. the George Floyd protests and a lot of networks going silent and blacking out for eight minutes. Yeah. You saw saw this on network television. You saw this in streaming. You saw this in music, Uh, this promotion to do a uh, basically an eight minute and 46 seconds break as eight 46 was the time uh, that George Floyd was killed. Um, And yeah, um, it didn't really do much, but the fact that, it was such a wide ranging um, like it was such a wide ranging thing that it made, made you realize how big that this had spread and how big of a movement this was in the summer this year. And yeah, even though it was during a pandemic, I think that it made a major impact through the year of 2020 changed the way a lot of people think about policing in the United States. It changed the way a lot of people think about um, think about equality and equal rights. It, Changed the way a lot of people think about the portrayal of cops on television. The aftermath of this also caused uh, big network shows, one being Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It caused their uh, creative leadership to maybe rewrite some scripts and rethink about how they want that show to continue in the next season. Right. They did. They were in the middle of writing the upcoming season, which when these happened. Mm-hmm. The protests started happening. They had to stop what they were working on and completely start from scratch and go in this new direction. Yeah. Which I think does offer a lot more creative freedom, oh, yeah. but also provides a lot of an ability for them to get a 
message out there that might not that might be stifled elsewhere yeah um as of this recording we don't know what that direction is um right but I always... but every cast member has been vocal yes yes that they support the black lives matter movement right so it'll be interesting to see what they do the thing i keep turning to is there was a tweet that was like the this the, that I, I forget where to attribute it to but they were basically like the season premiere of Brooklyn Nine-Nine should just be they all wake up and they're postal workers and every, nobody mentions that they were ever cops. <laughs> <laughs> and it just continues as it was. <laughs> no, that, that's an archer poll right there. Yeah. <laughs> they could do it. If any show could do it, they could do it. Yeah. Um, but because of the protests, it did lead to a pretty significant um, band being placed in NASCAR. And that's the movement of the Confederate flag. Yeah. A long time coming um, a long time symbol of kind of the South and the fact that the South loves NASCAR so much. You did see a lot of Confederate flags at NASCAR events and outright banning of it um, is a sea change. I think it's the fact that uh, it shows that the NASCAR even was affected by this movement and wanted to uh, rise up to the occasion and do something about it right and for and the most... good i was just gonna say and for the most part it was well received yeah and moreover it got mississippi to put up its new flag design that they're finally going to do it yes after years of talking about the possibility of that happening right uh we also got the aforementioned nba that it would come back yes but also that they would allow NBA players to wear slogans and signs on their jersey. Right. Um, in support of Black Lives Matter movements, racial protests. Yeah. And like I said, the the bubble that they uh, played in, in Walt Disney World um, ended up being a huge success with very, very few uh, instances of people um, escaping the bubble. And... Um, very, very few positive uh, positive results uh, for the COVID. Um, the only positive tests that they got mm-hmm. were for players who had left the bubble. Right. Anyone who was in the bubble stayed clean, and there were zero positive tests as if they followed protocol. Yep. It was a success, which made the other sports that didn't have as much success, uh, yeah, made, them wonder, made you wonder why they didn't just do the same thing. <laughs> Oh, we'll get to MLB. <laughs> mm-hmm, we will. We will certainly. Right. Uh, but we also have um, Fight Island, USC, <laughs> UFC. Yes. Uh, one of the funniest running jokes of the year that ended up being real uh, was the UFC and uh, Dana White's wish that they would fight on a far off island by themselves so that way they wouldn't have to follow COVID protocol. It ended up happening. Dana White did have an island. And they ended up fighting on the island. Right. International territory. You can make your own rules. <laughs> and they did. Uh, so, yeah, MMA uh, continued undebated. Right. And in addition to, uh, real quickly, while we're, I guess, while we're still talking about sports here, mm-hmm. the MLB dispute of yes. when they would start, if they would start. For a while there, we did not have baseball. Yeah, for you saw versions of this for every sport, but I feel the uh, NFL and the MLB, the two of those leagues, had the most back and forths. Uh, with baseball kind of happening earlier, of course, because 
football season is in the back end of the year. Well, it's, um, baseball had to stop during spring training. That's true. In and March. So, so yeah, so in order to kind of fast track so that way they would still have the World Series in October, they had to start quickly. But the players and the league were at odds when it came to how many games would be played and how much they would be paid. Right. They'd go back and forth, eventually settling on a 60-game schedule mm-hmm. and ultimately a new CBA being put in place next year. Yes. Uh, so that was the important thing is because they couldn't strike. So as much as the players wanted this year, so as much as the, the players wanted to do a strike and just not have a season, they had their hands tied. They were unable to do so in the year of 2020. Right. Uh, CBA collective bargaining agreement. Right. Correct. Kind of went over that. Yes. Uh, but yeah, there were a lot of players who decided to opt out. And for a while, their league favorite and media boat favorite, Mike Trout, <laughs> was looking like he wasn't going to play because his wife was pregnant. Right. But because of how long things uh, took place and how long they had to wait for them to figure out when they were going to start playing, uh, he did end up playing in the the 2020 season. Right. Um, Also going along with the protests, the long-running COPS series had been pulled. Well, it was, and then it wasn't. Uh, So it was in this period of time. And then later in the calendar year, they did announce that they were reversing the decision and were going to continue. So it's fun while it lasted. Yep. (laughs) And then, yeah, we just, I mean, Comic-Con went virtual this year. Yes, uh, we had a virtual fan uh, Comic-Con and then, of course, the DC Fandome, which we made fun of a lot when it was <laughs> happening, which made all sorts of wacky announcements uh, about the future of um, the DC content. Uh, this kind of ended up getting the ball rolling of the death of uh, DC Universe uh, streaming. Uh, that network previously available uh, to show specific DC-based content and downloadable comic book content uh, basically was rolled into HBO Max at some point later in the year uh, and stopped being its own individual thing. Yeah, I mean, it was all it was all going downhill really fast when nobody would sign up for it. <laughs> yeah, so it made sense for them to roll it into a bigger thing that they knew people had other reasons to subscribe to. Yep. And then um, as we get at the end of June into July, some studios, NBC and the like, decided to slowly roll out um, new work environments. Uh, This was part of an overall deal with a coronavirus task force and setting up certain safety precautions. Yeah, needless to say, uh, when everything got started getting shut down in March. Uh, So did production, uh, both for television and film. And so what ended up happening is you had a lot of complete shutdowns that were eased uh, by the time we got into uh, the summer. And yeah, uh, as long as these protocols have been followed, it seems for the most part, these have been fairly safe. We have heard very little uh, reports coming out of um, television production to suggest that there have been outbreaks. Film production, another story, but this is not the film podcast. <laughs> oh, no. We'll, we'll get into movies tomorrow. Mm. Yes. Where you'll hear us talk about the different um, productions that had to halt due to coronavirus um, up right. 
but as and for even television, Tom Cruise, yeah, even Tom Cruise lately, uh, recently. Uh, but yeah, this, the, the thing, the only really big um, stories I can recall on uh, television off the top of my head uh, were the um, the whole uh, it, like when Saturday Night Live came back and they had to pay uh, in NBC employees basically uh, five hundred dollar checks in order to sit in and watch the show as a fake audience. You saw that this year. You also saw uh, Ellen DeGeneres um, not adding to the tumultuous 2020 that she had, uh, testing positive for COVID recently and having her show uh, have to quit res- uh, quit production. Well, on the side of Ellen DeGeneres, as we get into <laughs> July, yeah, and her hiring scabs, I want to <laughs> say. Yeah, I don't want to put it lightly, but hiring non-union workers to continue, continue with put continually put out the Ellen DeGeneres show as yeah. she worked from home. I think for Ellen, twenty twenty will be a uh, will be remembered as a year that kind of changed the cultural perception of her. Uh, she became she used to be this beloved figure, but as stories came out about how she treated people on the set, even pre uh, pandemic. And once they started trickling out, and then on top of that, you had her trying to, at any cost, resume production of her television show. I don't think that anybody will um, see her in the same light as they used to. Uh, probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, here we go. Javica Leslie. Ah, Yes. Uh, for the Batwoman, the is your, Batwoman. Is, yeah, that is your new Batwoman. Uh, right. I believe that she is at the one of the stipulations is that they wanted somebody from the LGBTQ community, and uh, they got I, they got one in uh, in her. So she is an out lesbian. Um, so yeah, that that goes to show you that they're getting what they wanted for the casting of the new Batwoman. Right, and from what I've seen, set photos wise. Seems fine. I think they're airing new episodes in January when he returns. So we haven't seen her quite yet. Right. Well, we'll see soon. We'll see soon. Uh, We also have Amazon Studios acquiring the rights to the Fallout franchise (laughs) for its own adaptation of the show. Haven't seen the results of that quite yet, but Amazon has a bigger fish to fry with the uh, Lord of the Rings stuff that's still in the works. So uh, we'll get there. Uh, and the Washington football team. <laughs> One of the funniest stories of the year, for sure, uh, was that finally, after years of criticism, um, Washington, um, these teams formerly known as, I'm not going to say it, uh, finally changed their um, football team name after, uh, after years of criticism from Native American groups. And they decided to name their team Nothing. And just to name it, the Washington football team. So the theory goes that they had a lot of names planned. Mm-hmm. However, they because they didn't announce everything real quick and kind of put everything in a limbo, that trademarking and website naming <laughs> kind of, of like those trademark trolls and website trolls kind of got ahead of the game and basically snatched up every single possibility that they could come up with that were feasible Mm -hmm. uh, for a name change and thus resulting in no name yeah a a no-name team or a no-name nickname team 
being the Washington football team. And of course, this is, you know, TBA. I'm sure once they are able to come up with the team name that makes sense and they're able to do all the trademarks that they need to do, they will no longer be named this. But just for the period of time where they are, we can have a big laugh about it. On a related note, we just recently learned that the Cleveland Indians baseball team is also doing a similar move, uh, whether they're removing the Indians from their name but have no direct replacement. So yeah, uh, between the two of them, just some really weird choices. Right. And also, on a side note, you might be saying, well, what about hockey and the (laughs) NHL Chicago Blackhawks? Yes. They will not be changing their name because okay. the Blackhawk is not a derogatory term. It no, it's actually, just, a, just a trap. <laughs> well, no, not only that, but it's also yeah. a an honor honoring the Native Americans who used to live there as mm-hmm. they went by the Blackhawks. I mean, uh, obviously neither of us are Native and we should we probably are not the people who should be talking to this point. Um, I would be really interested to see what a native from that area would have to say about the name right. of the Blackhawks. Uh, but we'll see. But yeah, changing team names, I mean, goes a long, long yeah. time coming. It's harder than you think, but at the same time, yes, you're right. It's a long time coming and they should have done it years ago. Yep. Uh, we also had, trying to get out of sports here, <laughs> see what else we have. A lot of sports this year, which is weird for a year where sports wasn't happening for such a long time. Right. Well, I mean, it's because TV news wasn't happening and sports was the one thing that kept us going. It's true. Uh, Oh, yeah. Things things being canceled. Nick Cannon. Yeah. Nick Cannon appeared on some uh, uh, radio show in which he espoused some uh, questionable uh, beliefs about uh, Judaism and, uh, and black people. Ended up offending a lot of people. And so we got basically pulled off of all the projects that he was involved in. Um, and yeah, he's still trying to crawl his way back to, uh, to, um, to, rele- to uh, re- re- relevance, relevance, That's relevancy for, <laughs> I mean, so he still hosts the masked singer. That's true. Fox did not pull him from that show. Yeah, there's the Ellen stuff. Yep. Ellen stuff happened then. Yep. And then. We get into August and the return of sports with the NBA, yeah. the NHL, um, MLB was continuing at this point. Yeah, I and, think it had already started at this point. Right. And then the NCAA, where <laughs> we went back and forth on whether or not they should play. Yeah, there was a similar to baseball. There was a movement among um, college age athletes. Um, whether they wanted to play or not. You had a major star kind of come out in favor of it, the aforementioned star, or that was pre-podcast when you mentioned him, I think. Um, But yeah, you had some vocal support for it, but you also had equally vocal um, like voices against it. Ultimately, they did decide after much uh, deliberation that they would uh, start uh, college football again, or college sports again, but it was a slow rollout that had to be convinced over several different divisions of colleges in order to start. Yes. Trevor Lawrence went on social media and put the NCAA on blast (laughs) saying, quote, we want to play. Yeah. As trying to speak for all of the NCAA players saying that they would be safer on campus 
than they would be back home. And that ended up not being the case as guess who Trevor Lawrence ended up testing positive for COVID. Not just Trevor Lawrence, but half of the Alabama team ended up (laughs) testing positive. Right. Um, Nick Saban of head coach of Alabama tested positive. Michigan had tested positive. There's been a continuous outbreak in Ohio state in the Ohio state, The, the Ohio state testing positive. Even so much so that when the Pac-12 finally got to get itself off from the sidelines and into the game, that the number one seeded team in the Pac-12 North, the Washington Huskies, Mm -hmm. had to drop out of the championship game because they had too many players test positive and thus resulting in Oregon the second place team coming in for the championship game and ultimately winning it against USC. <laughs> right. So yeah, it had ripples of effect throughout the, throughout the year. Um, it's definitely all these sports seasons will definitely go back down in the history books as with asterisks in all of them, because it's like, yeah, they all started with late and were super, super weird. Right. They all also had to play inter conference championships. Right. Um, in addition to constant testing, but it's still, I mean, should it have happened? Should it have gone on? Who knows? Yeah, probably not, uh, but too late now. Right. Because we don't know long-term effects, mm-hmm. but we I started, think it's safe to say yeah. that anything that was, yeah, they all ended up playing. Like everyone thought that originally yeah. that, if one fell, then you see a domino effect, but I think it was the ACC and the SEC decided to say no and stand strong. Yeah, until even they fell. I mean, they fell with COVID <laughs> positive tests. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Anyways, uh, we also had the announcement of Paramount Plus being yeah. rebranded for CBS All Access. Which, uh, as we talked about back then, and this is still my opinion, I think this is a good move. I think CBS All Access, from when it launched into its uh, year of uh, year and a half, I think, of availability, uh, a lot of people made fun of it and kind of poo-pooed it because it just didn't have the content anybody cared about. The name suggested an extension of the network and not necessarily a streaming service that offered multiple things. It was almost seen as, oh, that's where they put the stuff that they couldn't put on network television. With the name changed into Paramount Plus and a broadening of the stuff that's being offered on the platform, it then puts it into the realm of Disney Plus and HBO Max. It then makes Viacom a player in the streaming battle. Whether or not you want to pay for yet another streaming service, that's up to you. But it does uh, leave some options about where that content can go. See, what they should do is bundle it with Discovery Plus, and then I might be interested in it. And that may or may not happen. It seems like there are some talks about whether or not that that will occur, but we'll see. Yeah, but you have Paramount Plus, Discovery Plus, Disney Plus, <laughs> Apple TV Plus. Yes, it's the, new ver- it's the thing that we all feared was going to happen with streaming, which is it's the new cable. You end up having to pay a la carte for the same thing you were paying your cable service for. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And another big event that happened in August, as we get towards the end of it, 
um, the NBA protesting the Jacob Blake shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Yes. Because this was something that happened, I think, as we were podcasting. Yes, it did. Uh, I remember we were kind of reporting this as it was happening with uh, the league basically saying, hey, we're just not going to we're not going to play these any games um, on this this night in protest. Right, because it started with the Milwaukee Bucks against the Magic in their playoff game where the Bucks and Giannis Kempo, media boat favorite, <laughs> decided <laughs> to convince his team not to come out, not for warm-ups, for practice, for anything. They stayed in the locker room, they were watching the news, and they decided to leave and protest the game. And that was an afternoon game which meant the night game of Thunder's Rockets was also in contention of not happening. Mm -hmm. And because Chris Paul, who is the president of the Players Association, (laughs) plays on the Rockets, met with the Thunder captains and said, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this. And they walked out and protested. And then the Lakers, and then the Trailblazers, and then everyone. Even baseball. And then even into baseball where the Brewers and Reds and Dodgers and Giants canceled their games. And I think at the time, um, we, I, my take on this was like, this is heartening because it means that this was something that was player derived, not owner derived. The owners probably would have kept play going, but because of the influence of your big names in the league, like your Chris Pauls, people paid attention and they were able to make permanent change and actually say, no, no, we have the power to basically do a, what's the equivalent of a strike and basically say, no, in protest, we are not going to play this game. And if we're not going to play the game, you have nothing to shoot. Right. And also because the, the league had allowed them to have those messages on the back of their jerseys, mm-hmm. they felt that they had a duty to live up to those messages. Right. Following right. the George Floyd protests. Yeah. Just further uh, example of how the NBA seems to be leaps and bounds over all the other um, major sports organizations here in the U.S. with uh, allowing their players to speak their minds. Right. This is also another instance of why I keep putting it the NBA towards being our story of the year. It's definitely, definitely up there. Uh, I mean, not to like kind of scurry along from that, but... (laughs) September now. <laughs> yes, September now. Yes. Uh, we had the end of the Arrow series. Yes, and, as I mentioned earlier. Yep. And rebranding the Arrowverse to the CW-verse. Yeah. Like I said, there was a lot of moving and shaking happening in this um, area of CW programming. And I think it was just, uh, like I said earlier, it was just at the end of a decade, you kind of have to think about restructuring and like rethinking about what the next decade is going to look like. And I think a fresh new approach to the CW stuff is, is a good plan. Right. And um, going more over off of the protests, we had different um, charities and different events being happened, including the zoom where it happened, the zoom where it happened. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, With different, um, different actors came together to do live table reads for charity. Right. So we had for black of, lives movement. Yep. So we had a re uh, like a rethought, like a reboot of sort of the golden girl starring new people. Um, 
Right, starring Tessa Thompson and Tracy Ellis Ross, I believe. Yeah. And overall, yeah. I think, was part of a trend in the year 2020 of just every single like sitcom you remembered was getting their casts reunited. I mean, Josh Gad had a big part of this as he had a web series where he was doing that on purpose, trying to reunite casts from television shows and movies of the of yesteryear. And yeah, it just kept happening as stars needed something to do and people needed stuff to watch. Right. We had a 30 Rock reunion special. We had a Parks and yep. Rec reunion special. Yep. We had a still planned Friends reunion special. <laughs> yep. And a um, Will Smith. Fresh um, Prince. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yes. Reunion special. So, yeah, just a lot of people coming back and doing their old jobs. Well, a lot of actors, you know. Had yep. the time. They weren't working yep. on other projects. What I said is like stars have time and the people want to see it. So there you go. Yep. And then we had uh, the Emmys. Yes. The virtual Emmys happen. Yeah, virtual Emmys. Succession and Schitt's Creek. Mm-hmm. Well, mainly Schitt's Creek won yes. weirdly every Emmy in its last season. That was the story of the Emmys this year, just the sweep of Schitt's Creek in their final season. A lot of people chalk this up to being kind of the Return of the King Oscar story, which was they're really giving it as the entire series, not just for this season of it. Right, because up until now, it had largely been ignored. Yeah, it had but completely we did report been it sweeping the Canadian Emmys last right. year. Right. And people were starting to tune into it and get more eyes on it. Right. So congratulations to everybody on Schitt's Creek. <laughs> right. But that does make you wonder, is this always the case for the Emmys? Were they always <laughs> forget the good ones? No, I don't think so. Because I feel like you'd have different stuff in the history. Like if you look back at a winning that you didn't. So every once in a while, maybe they think about doing something like that. Yep. And then we had a bunch of, you know, continuous, continuous Marvel news as they, pushed out their Disney Plus stuff while also ramping up for other Disney Plus shows. Yes. And that will continue from September into November into December, right? where we just got done with their investors meeting, where they launched, or at least announced, a lot of upcoming content. So yeah, I think September you saw them kind of dipping their toes into what would end up being the overflowing river of content that they had planned for uh, Disney Plus. I think maybe yes, there a lot of their um, like a lot of their hand was kind of like pushed uh, when it comes to uh, productions uh, and because of people not going to movie theaters anymore. Uh, but whatever for whatever reason, Disney is going all in on streaming, and it started this year. Yep, and then we had sports and the beginnings of football every day. Yes, Tuesday night football and Wednesday afternoon (laughs) football. And this was all kind of started because of teams testing positive for COVID-19 and reschedules and things having to be shuffled around. Right. Um, Luckily, or more fortunately, because NFL players play once a week, there's more flexibility in playing those games. Yes, Unlike the MLB, when they had their outbreak, <laughs> literal, like a whole week went by where they didn't play because, or where one side didn't play, well, the other side did, 
because they were facing each other and we had to do contact tracing. Like, okay, where did you get it? You can't go here now. No, you can't go here. We have to move this schedule around. Now you're playing this opponent on this day. Yeah. And again, it just goes to show you that the NBA had it right with the way that they set up their bubble. Every other sport had some sort of event like this that changed the entire lineup of who was eligible to play. Yep. Uh, we did get two Monday night games or Monday afternoon game and then a Monday night game. <laughs> Just all types of weird uh, yeah. football strategy. <laughs> uh, yep. And the, as you mentioned, we saw the return of SNL where they had to pay their audience in order to be considered cast members to allow them on site. Right. Um, and Chris Rock being welcomed back as the season three premiere host. And with yeah, and Megan the Stallion as the musical guest. And this, of course, continues to this date. Um, tonight, I believe there is their pre uh, Christmas show. Is that correct? Yes. Um, so, yes, this will be the last one uh, before the break over the holidays. And yeah, they've been able to continue doing it to this limited quote unquote audience um, since this started in October. And from what I can tell, is people. It, like it seems to have not made any changes on the way that the show is done. It seems to be operating just as it would have. Yeah, but I think it did, I mean, going along with the process that we did see a lot more uh, variety of people either hosting or musical guesting. Yeah, I think they are making a, a push to be a little bit, have a little bit more variety. A little you, more diverse in yeah. their choosings. You also had, of course, some drama uh, related to someone who was supposed to perform as a musical guest on the show. But then when pictures leaked of him at a, um, a party uh, without wearing pictures, masks. It was Morgan Wallen doing yes. a TikTok with some people. Right, that's what it was. Uh, he was quickly removed from the show and replaced. So they are clearly trying to make it a safe place. Right, and that was in October when he was right. supposed to premiere. Right. And speaking of, we just roll right into October, why don't we? Sure can. Um, where? Yep, SNL yep. Um, ticketing guidelines and HBO Max subscribers. Yeah. I'm not quite goes, hitting the numbers it wanted, though. This goes back to that roller coaster year I was talking about earlier. When this news came out, it was during the doldrums where even owner AT&T didn't know quite what they wanted to do with HBO Max as the numbers rolled in and they were not as high as they needed them to be. And of course, this did lead to them, of course, dropping the ball of like the big bomb of, hey, no, here's something that will bring people to the service and we'll see in the new year if that works or not. Right. But they still had to cut thousands of jobs. Right. Which is the downside. The downside that you see when these things happen is that behind every big major decision a big company makes, there are actual human workers that are on the cutting block because of it. Yep. And also in October, we have Quibi shutting down. Yep. Which I alluded to earlier. Yep. $1.75 billion down the drain as nobody could, nobody wanted to keep Quibi turned out. But people who did want to keep the peanuts around, classic. It's <laughs> Apple did Charlie especially. Brown. That went straight to Apple. Yeah, Apple and TV Plus behind bars. So I later found out that this wasn't entirely true. Apparently, PBS, public television, still had the rights to air yes. uh, some of these specials, 
um, on their own volition. So I think that the Apple TV deal really only shut out the major networks from doing it and did not necessarily shut it out in other places. Right. I think PBS was the only place mm-hmm. you could see it outside of having Apple TV+. Plus. And if you have a DVD copy, which they are out there. Right. But yes, also, from what I understand, this, this is a temporary spark thing. A, this helped spark a wide, I don't know if it's debate, but lecture in my household <laughs> of digital mediums versus physical copies <laughs> of why it's always better to get physical. Right, yes. And yeah, as we go further into this, you know, streaming nightmare land, um, I think that's going to be a recurring conversation. Um, there's going to be a need for physical and the companies are going to push, push more and more for these streaming effervescent versions of their content as opposed to physical versions. Right. I mean, we also saw, I mean, this was in music, but the end of Google play, mm-hmm. um, Google ser- music service being transformed into YouTube music. And if you had anything on there <laughs> come January 1st, it's gone. Yeah. So you had to move it over. And so that's why I always say you buy it on that Mm -hmm. service for the life of the company. Yeah. This is the, this is the, the way that the the big corporations want the media to go. They want it to be things you don't really own that they have the chance that they have the power to remove at any given time. Right. And if you, they remove it or something gets removed due to say actor backlash (laughs) and you can no longer access it. Well, that's because you don't physically own yep. it. You Just have gone. the right to view it. You yep. don't physically own it. <laughs> uh, reality is sometimes more cyberpunk than the actual game cyberpunk, it turns out. Well, that's because <laughs> cyberpunk is more broken than actual reality. All I don't of know about that. may anyway. differ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I'm not sure. Anyways, uh, the one thing uh, to kind of in talking about Apple TV+, Plus, I will say is that it kind of went wide this year. You saw Apple TV Plus apps being added to video game consoles, to Roku devices, to places that it hadn't been before. So now it's easier than ever to see things on Apple TV Plus streaming uh, than it was. So just did a little shout out. Oh, yeah. And T-Mobile launched T-Vision. Forgot that streaming service now. (laughs) They did and they did it. They announced it and they priced it out only to later realize that the deals that they made may not end up being the prices that they had announced originally. This is still something that's in flux, but it is going to eventually be T-Mobile's answer to the television streaming options like Hulu Live and YouTube uh, TV. Whether or not this launches at the lucrative pay that they, at the price that they want it to is still up in the air. Right, because the networks who made those deals did not know the price at the time. And I was like, how can you make this happen? Right. Bundles are expensive. We don't want our stuff bundled at a lower tier. They want them to pay up. And this is the reason why the prices for Hulu Live and YouTube TV have both shot up in this calendar year. Yep. Uh, And we mosey on over into November where Crunchyroll was sold. From AT&T to Sony. Yes. Discussion started in November, but this was finalized this month oh, no. in December. Discussion started in right. like January. Well, in yes. Like June. Because I had seen, I saw the story in flux like back in the midsummer. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Let me see if any like reputable sources actually pick this up. 
And sure enough, uh, now Sony owns both of the two major um, anime streaming services here in the U.S., um, consolidated them under one roof. Whether or not Crunchyroll will remain its own independent platform uh, differentiated from Funimation remains to be seen. My guess is that it'll be the opposite, is that I think that you'll see the most people on the Crunchyroll app, so they'll probably roll in the Funimation content into that and phase out Funimation as its own app. That's my guess with this, how they uh, do this, but uh, we'll see as the year, uh, as the new year starts. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you keep the name Crunchyroll. I think you do. I, I think, think it's got name recognition. Because if you're buying the company, you're buying that name. Yes. You're buying but the you branding. You need to enroll, you need to roll a lot of anime and a lot of dubs to get yeah. people signed up. I think, yeah, you either call it everything Crunchyroll, you call it everything Funimation, and I think Crunchyroll is the one, is the name with more cachet. Even though Funimation is probably the bigger <laughs> Western name, it in is terms of probably. a streaming service, it's Crunchyroll. Yeah, in terms of streaming, it's definitely Crunchyroll. But yeah, if, you, if you've watched anime in the US for 25 years, you will know the Funimation name uh, from even back then. Then you might not know Crunchyroll, but I still think they call this service Crunchyroll because that's where the subscribers are. Uh, what what is it? Unlimited roll? Is that a thing? <laughs> the the infinite roll? Fun 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 roll fun crunch crunchy fun crunchy roll. <laughs> it's funchy roll. Funchy roll, yes, and they get Ron Funches to be the face of it. <laughs> oh no, not Ron Funches. Everybody loves Ron Funches. What's wrong with Ron Funches? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, we did not mention it yeah we need to talk about prior, this one but we need to talk about um, Alex Trebek yes we usually uh, don't talk about deaths but this one made such an impact into television that we have to talk about it here uh, the death of Alex Trebek um, this is going to mean obviously yes it was a big loss um, one of the most important game show hosts we've ever had hosted Jeopardy for decades and became the face of that game to millions of Americans. Uh, yeah, his loss has made impact on the program as it is. Uh, they're going to show his last episodes uh, of the series in January um, and we'll have a rotating guest host slate uh, following that. So yeah, uh, we'll have to see what their long-term plans are at a later date to replace him permanently but until then, it'll be a nice uh, few weeks of tribute uh, to think about the man and um, the impact he had on the television show Jeopardy, uh, which we, of course, here at the Media Boat Podcast, love a lot. So yep. it, um, They currently aired his final recent episode before the final week mm-hmm. um, because originally it was supposed to end on Christmas Day right. in a continuous broadcast. But because his death has been so impactful mm-hmm. to a lot of people they're saving his final week for the new year and so the week of christmas and the week of new year they're going to be running a best of alex right. trebek right and then as you mentioned a rotating guests of hosts jeopardy hosts yes beginning with ken jennings but that's not to say ken jennings is going to be the host because no i've seen a lot of articles immediately make that jump and it is no when you think about it it does make some amount of sense that being said i don't know if ken wants that to be his legacy 
Uh, so it'll ultimately be his call. And I think that if they do offer it and he does say no, I think, yeah, you're going to see um, somebody else. And I hope that they really think of someone who can be a long-term for decades host of this show. Right. I mean, we're going to see Ken Jennings have two hosting gigs right. with the chase being brought back. Mm-hmm. And then also his brief tenure for Jeopardy, right. so which we'll is see. currently filming right now. We'll see how that works out. Uh, but yes, we will miss uh, Alex Trebek and the show will never truly be the same as it was with him. Speaking of shows never being truly the same without them, mm-hmm. Conan O'Brien giving yes. up his late night talk show life after 28 years. Yeah, I mean, we kind of saw him change the format of the Conan show on TBS uh, into a 30 minute variety show. And that was kind of it. TBS and Conan both decided that that was it for their version of the show. And he will be moving on to doing a streaming show with HBO Max that will be more of a variety kind of format and less of a late night and less of a late night one. So, yeah, um, after 28 long years of being a late night presence, uh, he will be ending that tenure. Yep. And also with November, we have the return, the late return of fall TV shows. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them doing COVID-related episodes. Yes. Uh, you mentioned specifically uh, that The Good Doctor um, had a COVID-specific um, arc to it that changed the dynamic of the show in a really interesting way that you praised. Other shows kind of dealt with the material in other ways. We had a COVID episode of South Park. Uh, my understanding is that there was a COVID arc in um, um, in um, Superstore on NBC. Yep. Um, you had um, this is us also had COVID related st- stories. Yep. You had um, sh- even the beginning of the Amazing Race, yep. which takes place globe traveling around the world. <laughs> At the beginning of this season, they said that they filmed these in advance before COVID was even a thing. Yeah, which of course there's going to be continued debate about whether or not we want as a people our media to comment on the uh, COVID pandemic. I'm sure a lot of people agree with me that I'd rather not. I'd just like to live in my dream worlds and imagine that it never happened. Right. But so there you are take, you take the friends approach of never yeah. bringing up 9/11 current events exactly because as soon as you bring up current events, it dates your show, it dates your material. Uh, that being said, I'm sure there are other people who are not like me who want to see that realism because there are potentially interesting stories, as you were talking about with the Good Doctor that you can tell about this pandemic that you would not be able to tell otherwise. So it depends on what lens you look through it. But um, I think what we're going to see in the coming year is probably a combination of both of those approaches. Right. But there are certain shows like this is us, which takes place in a current timing that they had to address that it. they have to address it throughout yes. the, the season. And then yeah. you also have, you can do it with the good, where the good doctor did it, where you can address it within the first, two episodes and then as a special like push it away and you kind of push it to the side right like right like we're we're addressing this now but just though we're not going to address it in the future (laughs) yeah um oh yeah and then we have the dave Chappelle and his uh good workings with netflix (laughs) yeah i mean when you have a name as big as dave Chappelle uh complaining about something uh you follow what he says and in this case that's what happened with netflix netflix was still carrying episodes of the Chappelle show uh his comedy central show that kind of made him such a big name and 
Chappelle himself said, hey, I'm not getting paid for this. You should take it down. And Netflix obliged. Show is still available on um, Viacom CBS's brands. Um, so it didn't go away 100%. But Dave Chappelle can throw his weight around and people will listen. Whether or not people should listen to Dave Chappelle in 2020 is up to for debate. Uh, but Right, but this was in regarding <laughs> a contract he signed over 10 years ago right when the Chappelle show ended and all rights were were with Viacom CBS yeah so contractually <laughs> in a legal sense they can do whatever they want with the show yeah but and... in earning goodwill PR move Netflix made a good decision here yeah but needless to say you will see it on Paramount Plus <laughs> oh yeah no doubt <laughs> Um, and then we get into December. The current month that's current happening month. right now. Yep. Where Disney will fold Touchstone Television, previously known as Fox 21 Television Studios. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. AMC Plus. That's the one we forgot. Yes. That's another one uh, joining the streaming wars on, of course, the, stream, the, the strength of being the one place you can watch all of The Walking Dead, their big smash hit from the last decade. Yep. Uh, we had Rashida Jones, not that Rashida not, Jones, not that Rashida Jones. <laughs> become the president of MSNBC. Yeah. And yeah, the Disney Plus basically huge yes. investor meeting. Yes, the big basically push from Disney to include every single uh, one of their um, upcoming um, uh, like prequels and sequel content uh television series content um based on every franchise that they got into your home via disney plus all right and that's all the news we have now we went over an hour so we gotta pick a <laughs> pick something here Woo! well i mean i think you, you kind of nailed it at the beginning of this which is that it was not that big of a television year but it was a huge year in sports it was a wild up and down roller coaster of a year for sports whether they're going to happen and then when they did happen question about how they would happen and players battling the league and league battling players to ultimately lead to sports happening but in a very weird and rambunctious way games got moved in every which way uh some leagues had to like shut down entire teams at some points it was just it was wild, and I don't think that we'll see a year like this in sports maybe in our lifetimes ever again. <laughs> I mean, is there any other contender? <laughs> I don't know. That's hard. That's the hard part is that if we don't separate the two, the year was dominated by sports stories, as you saw from our recap just now. Right, because outside of production shutting down and then new COVID-friendly production um, guidelines being set. What was there to talk about but sports? I mean, the other half of this is, um, the, I think something that we could mention here is the explosion of more and more streaming networks, but that's going to be the implosion to... of a yeah. streaming network. And it was hard to really, yes, Quibi is a whole nother thing. Quibi, I feel like is such small potatoes that it doesn't rank here, but what potentially does, and what I was about to say is, just the explosion of more and more brands getting behind streaming. The only reason why I wouldn't say that's the most important thing, though, is that this was already a ball that started rolling last year, and that doesn't really feel as 2020 of a story. What right. does, however, in 
October of last year, we had the introduction of Disney Plus. Actually, yes, November. But, but that's the thing about that I was going to say is that I think a potential television story of the year that may give the sports stuff uh, a potential run for its money is the ramping up of Disney Plus in the way that Disney has done it. I think the, throughout the year, you saw like hints of what was to come with them releasing, doing special premium stuff with Mulan, which is more of a movie story, but still warrants mentioning here, um, with The Mandalorian being a runaway success. But then leading up to this past week where they unleashed the floodgates and said literally every franchise we have is getting a sequel or prequel or spinoff. I think this is Disney finally putting all of their eggs into the streaming basket. This is Disney finally paying off on the promise that was Disney Plus when it launched, that this was going to be the home for everything Disney. And I mean everything. And this is that finally coming to a head. Right. And it may be recency bias because it literally (laughs) just happened. Yes. But I think you are right that even though we didn't mention it here, Mm-hmm. throughout the year we every time there was a new disney update on a potential show yeah we did talk about it so i think and and one of the reasons why it made as big an impact it did was is a because of a very 2020 reason which is because of 2020s of the pandemic's restrictions and production schedule disney had to rethink their entire company because of this pandemic they, and they decided that the streaming is where the eyeballs are. The more people that are staying home, the more people that are going to watch the streaming content. So they had to rework their entire pipeline. So stuff that they probably had originally planned to be on proper Disney television, ABC, ESPN, uh, Disney Channel, all that stuff probably was retooled in the back end to be Disney Plus material because they had to. Their hand was forced. So it does make it a uniquely 2020 situation to be in, even if Disney had already planned on there to be a big push in 2020 for Disney+. Plus. I think it changes and morphs this into a different kind of story. Um, it wouldn't be this mountain of content, I think, if we hadn't had a pandemic this year. Right. And I think the third story would be the explosion of streaming services yeah. with HBO Max peacock which we didn't even bring up no but it was kind of a footnote of the year really right quibi yeah uh, amc plus discovery discovery plus paramount paramount plus being rebranded but like i said the only reason why i don't think that one probably contends here is because this was all we already knew that that was going to happen regardless of pandemic well yeah that was something that we saw when disney plus was announced that oh now everyone's going to do it and that was in 2018 and sure enough here we are Oh, yeah. Sure enough, everyone's doing it. So I think the battle here is between the sports story, which you said is basketball, pretty much, is the effect that the league, the basketball had reacting and like against and with the events of 2020 as they came at them. And the Disney and the Disney Plus explosion. I think that these are the two biggest stories. I still say that while, while the, yes, the Disney Plus stuff is a culmination of everything that happened in the year, because the NBA one started the whole shutdown, 
handled the racial injustices, handled the pandemic, and came out on the other side of it probably more favorable than all the other sports leagues. <laughs> yes. Kind of puts it uniquely in 2020 to having quite yeah. a banner year. And it wasn't just the pandemic they were reacting to either. Their reactions to the civil unrest, to the protests, their continued vigilance and the allowance that this league gave to their players to say something about these events. Just the the quick the quick moves that they had to make throughout the entire year on every single wavelength. Yeah, you're even right. The, even the collective bargaining just to have a <laughs> postseason right. went smoothly of where are they going to play? What are the regulations? I mean, literally the only kind of Nick in a otherwise unblemished bubble mm-hmm. would be the initial food that they showed that got leaked. <laughs> like, oh, I'm an M- NBA yes. player, but I'm only getting this tiny portion food here. Yeah, I think they figured that out as it went on. But well, yeah, I mean, that was like <laughs> the first week they were there, right? But no, I think I think you're right. I think the Disney Plus stuff has an element of this was Disney's plan all the way, even if some of them were probably changed for the pandemic. While the NBA story is just, they were the league of 2020. Like nothing is more 2020 than the things that happened to the, to basketball this year and the things that basketball did in the year, uh, their reactions to everything. Right. And even before we get into March with everything, <laughs> Kobe Bryant. Right. Died. And Kobe Bryant. So from the beginning, we saw just the league just going through hor- horrific situations to coming out at the other end of the year being probably the most important sports league we have right now you want to know how big that that was not only did was kobe do we like kind of bring up that kobe bryant died literally the day before lebron passed kobe bryant in the all-time scoring record right lebron announced space jam 2 right and he won a championship for a third team, I think pretty much solidifying that he is the greatest NBA player. And yeah. we didn't even mention it this, I mean, in this podcast. I feel like there I feel like there was a week there, maybe that we did. I think oh, we no, did no, talk no, about no, we did talk about it. But I'm talking about like this specific one. Like oh, yeah, talking that's about true. the success that LeBron had this year and everything that he's done to propel the NBA forward. And I think that makes sense because you need some distance from a tragedy like this in order to really take into um, into account um, what the impact of this kind of thing is. And so, yeah, I don't think we'll really think about LeBron as a leg- legacy uh, player until a few more years. Uh, for now, he's a real player who is playing at this moment and is very much, uh, it's a different thing when you're talking about the legacy of someone who has passed or someone who is no longer playing the game. So, yeah, I think that that will be in flux. I think that conversation will happen. It's just that this is not the time when it's been so recent. Also, on a side NBA, which we're going to get to in a minute here, mm-hmm. but I think it's at least worth noting that it kind of belongs in it. The Last Dance. Right, yeah. Big, big impact on television this year. Big impact on ESPN. And I would argue a big impact on the legacy of Michael Jordan as a basketball player depending on who you ask it either cemented michael jordan's legacy as the most important basketball player ever a or even the most important person in u.s sports ever or 
it weakened your view on him um, as he kind of revealed him to be a, a bitter, um, like betting man who doesn't know when to stop. <laughs> and he took that personally. And, he, and yes, and that became personal to him. Um, so yeah, but yes, the fact that everybody, including Taylor Swift, watched The Last Dance this year goes to show you. So I, um, I know this horse is probably dead right uh-huh. by now, but the NBA is our top story. Yes. No. Yeah. We, we don't need to say it, uh, but yes, we do need to say it. Yeah. I think that you're right. You were right from the beginning is that it just imp- every single piece of 2020 in some way reflected back onto us through basketball. And they were the only ones who got it right. And who dealt with situations that they came up yep. in the correct way with yes. a little backlash. Yeah. I think that, yeah, the 2020 the NBA was the sports league of the year and made the most impact, I think, than anything we talked about here. Okay, good. Cause I was going to fight you on that. Nope. But- <laughs> I didn't, you didn't need to. I agree. Need to. <laughs> All right. Well, Now that we have taken care of our stories from the year and our top story of the year, it's time to talk about one of our favorite things to do of the year, listing our top five television shows. So in a year where we were stuck at home watching a lot of television, what were your top five favorites? Well, watched a lot of television is kind of in uh, (laughs) putting it lightly. Yes. As we were, as you mentioned with the pandemic going on, we were stuck inside with nothing but <laughs> endless streaming services to yes, watch. Indeed. And oh boy, did we watch TV. We did. 107 shows. Different shows this year. Yeah. I mean, I was going to make you guess, but damn, 107. I see the. It's right there. It's right yes. there. I think, yeah, I think it's it's hard to underestimate the effect of streaming on this is that as more and more shows became stream on the streaming services that were either exclusive or extensions of runs that they had already had on television. Um, I think between all of that, it just made it a whole lot more stuff to watch. And uh, where do we start? Uh, well, we start by choosing who goes first in their top five. I think it is your turn, as I think I started in music. Um, I think you're right. You did start music. Yes. So, all right. So tell me about your year in television. Uh, well, I watched a lot of things. I watched a lot of things you didn't watch. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, I watched a lot of trash TV reality shows. <laughs> a lot yes. more than I thought I would watch. From The Circle to Love is Blind to Too Hot to Handle, Tiger King, and even so much as The Bachelorette, which we've neglected to mention that they broke The Bachelorette. Yes, they broke it. <laughs> ah, but just, oh yeah, and Labor of Love. God, so many trash TV shows that did not make my list. Yeah. Yeah, but we're not here to talk about the trash. We're here to talk about the best of the year. All right. Um, I'm going to start with my, well, okay. Before we start with number five, I need to set at least one guideline here. Uh Where do we put season finales? Like The Good Place, like BoJack Horseman. I think they definitely rank in this. I think that if it aired in calendar year 2020, it counts as a show that 
ran in 2020, which means that it's eligible here. Right. Even if it's the back half of a show. That's what I say. That's what I am saying. It doesn't matter if the season started in 2019. If it ended in 2020, that is a show that aired in calendar year 2020. We're not the Emmys. We make our own rules. All right. Well, then, if we're going to make our own rules. Yeah. uh, I'm going to do a double dunk on my number five slot then. Double dunk. Uh, and that is being the HBO serial version of I'll Be Gone in the Dark and the HBO Max cartoon version of Infinity Train. Ooh, okay. Interesting both pairing for very here. Reasons, but yeah. both for kind of very same thing. They were dark mysteries. Hmm. They had a aura about them that made you want to watch the next episode, which makes a good show. Yeah. It makes you latch onto it and it's like, oh, I want to see what happens next. I can't wait for the next episode. Uh, I'll be gone in the dark because it from me about favorite Patton Oswald and his <laughs> wife, uh, McNamara, yeah. who wrote the book I'll be gone in the dark, which is based off its name and follows the Gold State Killer as she, true detective, tried to track down who she thought the the uh killer was who was never caught meanwhile with infinity train you have just a constant mystery box of a show with not only introducing new characters in book two but introducing a new perspective in book three with uh the apex group right and took what was initially a 10 episode run of a short and put this aura of mystery around it that has a strong community following behind it. And it's honestly one of the best shows out there, which is why it's in my top five, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) But both these shows show that you can do mystery without doing gimmicks. You can do something right, starting with the writing process and expanding from there. And that's why they're both my number fives. Okay. That's that's strong. They're two very different shows. But yeah, I think that's a strong argument. So uh, let's go to number four and continue with mm-hmm. the good writing. Yes. And coming off the year of Game of Thrones where you kind of started to question if people could write a good finale anymore. <laughs> we had The Good Place, which we knew going into this year would be its season finale. Mm-hmm. And on such a melancholy happiness of a series that not only makes you root for the characters, makes you want to know what happens more, but also gives a finality to the series and essentially to life and death in a cosmic sense. Rarely does a show, albeit a comedic show, Uh try and do something so high concept with such success. I'm, I'm not sure if this is a show is on your list or not, but media boat favorite three years running the good place. Yeah. Uh-huh. Continued to be good all the way up to its final episode. Yeah. It was really all early the way in the up year. to its final line. Even. Yeah. 
really early in the year, end of January, but that does still count. Uh, and yeah, it did. It nailed the landing. It nailed the landing, which is something that a lot of shows can't really do. Right. I mean, I mean, we have shows like The Walking Dead, which will never end, apparently. <laughs> when even when they announced that we're going to only do five seasons of The Good Place, it was like, wait, what? Yeah. You're just ending it? You're like, this is like your high point. You're supposed to go on for another two, three seasons. But <laughs> they had an ending. Michael Schur had an ending in mind. And they nailed it. Yeah, they really did. Just the writing and the characters. It's just everything fell into place as they wanted it. And no fat on the show whatsoever. Everything was for a purpose. Right. And a true masterclass in sitcom writing oh yeah but yeah the only thing i thing that i will say is that because not a whole lot of it aired in 2020 i don't think that uh it ranks as high as these other shows that we're going to talk about soon uh but yeah i'm glad that we were able to mention it here because um yeah it was i mean clearly it was our favorite show for three years in a row for a reason right but the reason it's number four is because these Last three shows. Holy shit. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> I can top here. Toss toss them up into a yeah. bag, pull one out, and I will put it on. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's just how good these shows were. And I'm still right now thinking if I should switch it around. <laughs> I am doing the same thing. I have made several cho- changes on my list since we started this recording, just to let you know. <laughs> looking at this giant block of shows, I was like, oh, oh, oh. And I realized that I need to uh, maybe put some things into that were previous on my list into honorable mentions. Oh, we're going to have a huge list of honorable mentions. Like I said, 107 TV shows. Right. But number three show is a show that you turned me on to. Yes. that That I had seen commercials of, thought about it, but because it was locked to Apple TV Plus, could not watch it because I don't have an Apple product. Right. My wife does with her <laughs> iPhone. <laughs> How convenient. But, but I added you to my family plan and gave you access anyways. But when Apple finally let Xbox have its own app, I yes. was finally able to watch Ted Lasso. Right. All right. And you said you need to watch this show before we do our end of the year list. Yes, absolutely. You even asked me this morning. Did you finish finish it? Because it is key that you finish it. (laughs) The fact that it's number three on my list shows how key that is. (laughs) So we didn't talk about a whole lot about it last night on the proper uh, last time on the proper podcast because I wanted to have that conversation now. But yeah, what did you end up uh, feeling about how that how they wrapped everything up? Uh, Just the overall arc of all the characters over the course of the show, like. How did that? How did you end up feeling about it? By the third episode, I was hooked and I wanted to watch it all. Um, Ted Lasso has the kind of Forrest Gump aura <laughs> about him, where he doesn't change; the world around him changes for him. But at the same time, he has his own growth with his own family in a separate C plot, not yeah. A and B. Yeah, but the main character is the C plot. And just how likable he is, his mannerisms, his hodrum, 
good old boy country folk American <laughs> like clearly playing up the American in in London type show but so much to the fact that you just can't help but root for him <laughs> yeah Even when you have the like you address it in the show that the your antagonist is rooting for him to win <laughs> to succeed yeah it's it's just so much fun to watch and the comedic timing and coach beard is hilarious <laughs> yeah it's just i will talk about it a little bit more on my list but what i will say in response to what you said is that yeah i think that's the reason why it works is because there's there the characters are fun but they're also written with realism so you get a good balance i think between the comedy and the drama that you don't get in a lot of these comedies that purport right. themselves unlike, as dramatic. Unlike the Peacock show Intelligence, mm -hmm. which also has the U.S. in in the U.K. fish out of water scenario, mm -hmm. which is supposed to be a comedy, but a workplace comedy. Technically, this is a workplace too for them. But yeah, but it's not really. It's not yeah, it has elements of workplace comedy, but it, it tries to be something bigger than that. Again, I'll talk about it more when it's on my list. Right, I think, and also a think, sports but... comedy too, which right, yes. it doesn't show a whole lot of sports until like the very end. Yeah. But you still get the sense of, oh, these are like professional athletes with these big egos that you have to wrangle. Right. And that's part of the charm and likability of it that they feel, the characters feel real. They act real. They interact with each other in a somewhat real scenario. And they're just written so damn well. Right. All right, but there I mean, are. You're going to talk more about it. When we yeah, get I'll it. talk more about it. So, what are the other shows that are even better than that that you want to talk about? So, number two on my list is <laughs> just say it. Just say it. Say the one that your gut, because I know it's the one in your gut. Okay, it's Star Wars. Yes, it's all sorts of Star Wars, apparently. So, so the reason I say it's Star Wars is because we had two different shows this year, mm -hmm. but by the same creator, Dave Filoni. <laughs> yes. So beginning this year, Star Wars Clone Wars, it was announced that Star Wars Clone Wars would have a final season this year. Oh, man, was it a final season. Uh, like... I almost forgot that this existed until I went back into our list here. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, there it yeah. is right there. How can and I apparently, and apparently it was a good thing that you finished that this year when you did. <laughs> yeah. Um, so part of the ending of this star Wars clone wars was that they had an episode titled the bad batch, which introduced a bunch of new characters. Funny enough, they were so good that they got their own spinoff, The Bad Batch. Yeah. This will be a recurring theme here. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, as they put, they finally put the Clone Wars chapter to rest, but did so in a way to where the last chapter, the last season, wrapped up every single storyline you had, every single question you had about the characters, where they were on their journey, what they had coming next, everything had a nice neat bow on it that you just don't get 
but like I talked with The Good Place, nailing the ending is a hard thing to do, mm-hmm. to have a satisfying conclusion, especially with years and years and a rabid fan base behind you that are hanging on your every written word, much like we saw with Game of Thrones, that if you fuck it up, they will crucify you on the internet and you will never hear the end of it. Mm-hmm. Dave Filoni is a Star Wars genius and should be running the show <laughs> because he nailed Star Wars Clone Wars ending so much that even up until the final episode, it was taking notes from Revenge of the Sith <laughs> where the events overlapped and you can see, oh, that happened right here. It's the same thing that happened right here. And vice versa is like, this is what happened right here that you didn't see. It's the opposite mirror version told from the Clone Wars perspective that is so good that even at the end, it left the door open for something surprising to happen with its main character, Ashoka Tana. And that brings me to my number two show at number two. That's right. Bonus (laughs) show. And not bonus. This is the actual real number one, but right, yeah, I have to I think... set up the Star Wars Clone Wars part right. to get to The Mandalorian season two. Yes. Because Dave Filoni, also executive producer on there with uh, creator, media book favorite, John Favreau, did something that was seemingly lost coming out of literally one year ago. To the day, mind you, wow, I just realized that. I just put that in my head. <laughs> to the day one year ago, Star Wars, the last or the rise of the rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. came out and divided the fan base. And at a moment there, killed Star Wars for a lot of people. That was a year ago. And in what seems like a lifetime since. The Mandalorian season two just ended and seemingly in one fell swoop reunited the fan base and got people excited for Star Wars again. Mm -hmm. You don't do that by accident. Right. No. This, of course, is coming off of the great hype that is the Mandalorian season one with the child, Baby Mm -hmm. Yoda, and people be like, oh, yeah, that's the Baby Yoda show. Well, it is. (laughs) But season two kind of made it its own thing with its own Mm -hmm. full eight episode series arc that you need to watch all eight episodes. They no longer became episodic adventures or side quests, but each episode led into the next episode or led led steps closer towards the finale. Right. You don't craft that by accident. No. Much like I said. I mean, like I said, with The Good Place, where writing is key, mm-hmm. The Mandalorian Season 2, because Dave Filoni is there, and he's a hell of a Star Wars fan, took what he knows from Star Wars canon, from from the films, from Star Wars Clone Wars, which he worked on, from other Star Wars entities that are out there, including the side films, and other properties and meshed, I mean, rebels and meshed them together so seamlessly that 
the original idea that Kathleen Kennedy have of Star Wars stories being told in the Star Wars universe finally came to fruition and we saw what was happening. Mm-hmm. Nothing against Kathleen Kennedy, <laughs> but she needs to step aside and let Dave Filoni run the show. Much like Kevin Feige runs Marvel, mm-hmm. he needs to run this show. You're not the only one who has this opinion. I was listening to a podcast just a week ago that had floated this exact idea. And I think you're right. I think I think that people are realizing that if you put somebody who is passionate about the thing they're making on, in a uh, creative leadership role, it shows in the product. It sh- that passion shows through. And it makes the people who are watching who are also passionate about the thing excited because they're seeing it reflected, that passion reflected back at them. And yeah, I think that The Mandalorian not only being a good show is important, but also the, 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 the symbology that it has as being the thing, the crown jewel in the Disney Plus crown right now is it's like prove it's the thing that finally proved that Disney plus is relevant beyond just being a, like a receptacle for all of Disney's movies. It proved that they know what they're doing and have a plan for original content. It is paving a golden road for them, for the Marvel shows that are to premiere at the beginning of next year. It's so crucial that they purposely withheld the season premiere until after everyone's one year (laughs) lapsed. Yes, they knew. They knew to wait. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm glad it's on your list because I think that when you're talking about television in 2020, you're talking about The Mandalorian. Right. And uh, mainly this slot just goes to Dave Filoni, but... <laughs> yes, but really The Mandalorian <laughs> really is the Really The show. Mandalorian yes. is the number two with Star Wars Corners being attached because you have yeah. elements from there showing up in The Mandalorian, which takes place 30 years later. Wait, no, about 30 years later. 20 years later, <laughs> roughly, give or take. Mm-hmm. And being so relevant and so fresh and full of ideas mm-hmm. that it shows that there is, like I said, it revived the fan base. It revived yeah. renewed interest in Star Wars from people who were ready to write it off. Yeah. I like think I said, last me. year, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Did things to people, me included. <laughs> I think we yeah, talked about that. We talked about it, but yeah, I think yes. This is this is the moment where the franchise is going to pivot to the place it probably should have always been, which is television. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but you Anyways, have one more show you need to talk about. Your what could be better one, than that? What could be better number than the Mandalorian? One, yeah, number one show of the year. You still have to talk about. Okay. Um... <laughs> We brought it up at the very end of our uh-huh. thoughts here. Yes. We brought it up at as we talked about the NBA, and that is The Last Dance. Yes. The 10-part series on ESPN, The Last Dance. And you kind of hit the nail on the head when <laughs> you have people like Taylor Swift, who <laughs> you, have, you know she probably doesn't know much about basketball. Our guess is no. I mean, we don't know. Maybe she, maybe she's a big fan. Who, who can say? But no, she hasn't shown any predilection for it in the past. But that's, you're right. That's the kind of audience that something like this can reach. Right. Now, this was teased at the beginning of the year that mm-hmm. during the Super Bowl that, hey, this is going to come out in the summer. But when the pandemic hit, they moved that schedule up. They made it an event. They made sure everyone knew. Mm-hmm. Tune into ESPN on a 
Sunday basis, weekly basis, to watch The Last Dance. It got us in our in this household to make Sunday a family dinner night because we're gonna eat dinner and we're gonna watch <laughs> The Last Dance. Appointment and then we're television. Gonna discuss it. Yeah, appointment television in an era where appointment television barely exists. In a point where water cooler moments are almost non-existent anymore. Because we can't even go to the water cooler anymore. <laughs> this helped people get through the long summer. Yeah. Ten weeks. Wait, was it ten weeks or five weeks? Is two episodes. It was two episodes, I believe. So five weeks, ten mm-hmm. episodes. Yeah. Five weeks of summer where everyone tuned in and watched Michael Jordan <laughs> not only dunk on people, but <laughs> dunk on people. <laughs> with his, in his nice easy chair, with his cigar and his glass of whiskey. And his bloodshot eyes. <laughs> he took it personally. That's all he had to do. <laughs> he took everything personally. And the fact that we have that meme now yeah. forever enshrined. Right. Uh, I mean, this is also coming off of Tiger King, where it was yeah. also a hot thing that people would watch. But yeah, that was on Netflix. And if you didn't have Netflix, you didn't watch it. If you had TV and you had <laughs> any type of a cable package, right. you watched The Last Dance. You recorded The Last Dance. It was a thing you would call your parents about to talk about. Hey, I didn't live through this, or I vaguely lived through this. Is this kind of what happened? What do you think of what they're showing here? Now, I know that if you've been following us through the year, and as we talked about it, I do and still, I did and still do have a kind of bug to pick with it where it would shift focus from the present to the past, right, from the right. last season to how we got there or he says one thing and it immediately reverts back to something else. Right. It is a whiplash story technique that is kind of the only blemish on it. Yeah. But there was so much that they had to pack in that they did have to kind of, there's just so much to pack in. How else are you going to do it? Because the last dance is what Phil Jackson called the last season Mm -hmm. that they they won the NBA championship. And so that's where you start. You start with it being the last season, but then to film, you don't just cover the last season. You had to cover up how we got to that last season, mm-hmm. every step and piece made along the way. And that's what made it a fascinating documentary. Yeah. And just, it kind of also folds into basketball and NBA being, like our story of the year, the topic of the year. But, yeah, I mean, it got you to watch The Last Dance. Yeah. You are not a basketball person. That's true. I'll, I'll talk about it in a moment. Ooh. <laughs> well, why don't you talk about it right now, then? Oh, by uh, the way, there are a lot of shows that we are going yes. to be talking about as our um, uh, honorable mentions as I'm looking through the yeah. list here. Do you want to just shout those out now and I'll just shout um, a few of mine before we start because we're not, we don't have a whole lot of time left. So do you just want to just rapid fire maybe two to five shows out of this giant list that you want to mention that barely didn't make your list? Uh, okay. Lock and Key. Loved it on yeah. Netflix. 
Steven Universe. Yes. The, the reboot loved it. Uh, Diary of the Future President liked it. Uh, the Amy Schumer learns to cook and Amy Sh- expecting Amy mm-hmm. um, got us to laugh a lot. <laughs> uh, surprise, Patton Oswald. I love everything. Uh, the return of the Umbre- Umbrella Academy. Muppets Now. Hello, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Disney Plus. Uh, Hard Knocks returned with the dual um, LA shows or LA teams. And I would be reminisced if we didn't mention the reboot of the Animaniacs. Yeah. And that's just a hand picking here of the 107 <laughs> shows we will cover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Upload Amazon. Last one. Yeah. That's a hilarious show. The ones I'll mention real quick that are uh, just barely didn't make my list. Uh, uh, did you mention Lego Masters? Because Lego Masters was a highlight of my year. For sure. Uh, just just bizarre. This is one of the most bizarre reality programs I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to mention Pokemon <laughs> Journeys, the newest Pokemon series. Um, it has moments of brilliance. The format change allows them to do really weird-ass stuff with that show. And um, it's been fascinating to watch on Netflix. Um, Kipo, The Age of Wonder Beasts, they did their final season this year. Um I have not finished it, which is the reason why it doesn't show up on my list this year. So I wanted to mention that uh, that is the reason why I don't have it uh, have it to be talked about here. Um, also, Amphibia. Amphibia had a really strong follow-up season to its premiere last year. Um, not quite strong enough to mention here on my list, but it was a hard year to mention everything. But I wanted to mention it at least uh, real briefly and as a as a uh, honorable mention. Um, looking through, did I miss anything? I oh, and Agretzko on Netflix. Agretzko, I caught up on the entire series this year, but the most recent season was a really interesting take on um, harassment in the workplace, and that they, I think, that they did very carefully and very well. And for a show um, from Japan to um, just be just as relevant uh, relevant to um, experiences American women have in American offices. Uh, means that this is an international problem and we need to be thinking about it on a global stage. But. And lastly, real quick, um, it's been on my list the past three years, but This Is Us did not make my top five. Yeah, it didn't. For the first time, I think it's on this podcast. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, no, so I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, Well, I've got all that over to the side, only to uh, break the same rule that you did. And talk about my top five, or is it really a top six, seven? <laughs> because my number five entry is three shows. Okay. Now I did two shows. Here's why I did three shows. I was inspired by what you talked about here. I have gathered up in my fifth spot, the three shows that have appeared on my list in this podcast before that ended this year, but had so few episodes in calendar year 2020 that they could not be any higher than number five. And they all three tie as my number five. It's The Good Place, it's it's BoJack Horseman, and it's Steven Universe Future. So the reason why, the other reason why they're all gathered together in one is because they did the same thing. They all three did the same thing. They nailed the ending. Shows, as we mentioned, have a problem nailing endings, but all three of these, for the reasons why you mentioned uh, for The Good Place, 
did it in the same way. They were all very emotional, very in like lockstep with what the series had been up until that point. And in all three cases gave me like feelings sort of like OKKO, which I talked about its finale last year. They made the finale matter in a way just beyond this is a show ending, but it made it feel like this is a family, like, like this is a family going away. This is a emotional connection you have with these people through a television show uh, moving on and it being a positive thing as opposed to the end, like a negative thing. The Good Place with its like perfect um, kind of metaphor for uh, moving on from existence into a new kind of existence with BoJack Horseman also having an episode dealing with death and the meanings behind it and a finale that kind of left the characters um, in a open place where they could have potential anything happen to them. And then with Steven Universe Future, which also kind of in a similar way to BoJack uh, dealt with what happens when you do need to move on with your life away from the family that you've been so close with and what that means to every person in that, in that kind of line of succession. Uh, Steven Universe Future is actually interesting to talk about because it kind of had its cake and ate it too. It was kind of split its finale into two. It had the plot finale episode, which gave closure to what was happening with Steven over the course of the series of Future, uh, gave closure to uh, characters from the movie even. But then you had the real finale of the show, which kind of was a return to the flavor of the first season and the first episode in particular, and reminded you of how long of a, like a journey that all these characters had been on. So every one of these shows, I think not only just nailed the ending, but will like just cemented their legacies as shows that all were about people trying to be better in every aspect of their life, which is something uh, life, which is something that is near and dear to my heart. I love when a television show does it. And all three of those were kind of, yeah, a culmination of a decade of art that just was just changed in all three of their cases, changed to me what television can be. Um, So yeah, I just want to mention all of them kind of in a blanket statement in order to clear my top four, which are all stuff that happened in calendar year 2020. Right. That's why I asked you in the beginning, does the good place count? Does Bojack Horseman count? Because it does do the finales. It does because I think that it's a nice way of talking about it, but it's something that to me is like an asterisk on a year that had really, really a strong, strong top four for me. Well, which brings me to number four. What's wrong with that? So number four is a new uh, thing that has never been on my list before. Actually, all the top three uh, uh, as well. Uh, but number four is Disney's The Owl House. So the Owl House here uh, takes my Star versus the Forces of Evil uh, place that Star used to have for two or three years on this list uh, because I think it's just as strong and it has so much potential. Um, it's not a straight comedy this time. There's a lot of lore happening. There's a lot of kind of world building that's happening in the background of this show, but it's also really, really funny and the characters are warm and interesting and it's set in a magic like world and a magic school and somehow even that being the case manages to never remind you of harry potter they've managed to build an identity for this magic world that is so its own thing that you're never thinking or comparing it to existing fantasy realms of ya fiction or existing uh, television or movies and it's just so good at what it does and i mentioned potential because this is the end of the first season 
the first season was kind of split between last year and this year. So we even we were only scratching the surface of what the show is going to eventually become. And I think there's so much promise here and that I will be um, to paying a lot of attention to. Um, so yeah, I'm excited where it could go. I think it's a really great fan- fantasy story that's also a very real story about a young girl kind of finding her way and growing up. Moving on to a number by number three, which is the opposite of a story about a young girl growing up in a fantasy world. This is where I've put the last dance. <laughs> okay, so you can be more opposite from each other. Could there. not be more opposite. So this made my list because of a, of a, several reasons. Um, you kind of did a good job of kind of encapsulating what was great about it. So I'll kind of just take my take on it um, instead of just giving kind of a bigger picture version of it. In fact, I'm glad I went second uh, because there's um, enough clo- crossover here that I don't want to reiterate a lot of your points. But my experience with the uh, last dance was, yeah, like you said, I'm not a basketball fan, uh, nor was I in the 90s when, in the heyday of Michael Jordan. So for me, it was a learning opportunity. I learned a lot about the history of him and the teams and the league as a, as a whole. Um the other half of it, the culture side, I was a live force. I remember the big cultural event that was Michael Jordan and all the ad deals that he made and all the and Space Jam and all the and all just the him existing at a, as a huge unstoppable force of pop culture. But I think above all, though, the reason what gripped me and kept me watching was the quality of the production. It was gripping for lack of a better better word. It kept you wondering, like, oh, it kept you watching uh, by giving you those crucial cliffhangers, by making you wonder what this so-and-so thought about whatever event that was happening. It created this cast of characters that were all super interesting. Yes, you're right. The bouncing between timelines was distracting sometimes. And my personal pro- one of my personal problems with it is that it didn't go enough into the other fascinating figures of this era. It focused so much on Michael Jordan, obviously, because he financed the thing and had creative cut on it, uh, that it kind of did m- make me wonder, I wish I would have gotten more of uh, the story of um, Scottie Pippen or more of the story of uh, Dennis Rodman. It's like there were pieces of it that I wanted to know more about than was addressed on the show. That being said, it was a great delivery mechanism and cemented the like of how much I love sports documentaries because sports is a method of telling really human, interesting stories. Also, it gave me one of my favorite things of the entire year, which was Michael Jordan talking about the poison pizza, <laughs> which is hilarious to me because the flu game, it sounds so made up every piece of it. It just just because Michael does not want to own up to the fact that he was sick because he was sick. He just wants to make up this fabricated thing about a pizza and that somebody wanted him to fail because everything to him has to be personal. I ordered a pizza for myself and I ate it all myself. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I don't believe that Michael Jordan ate an entire pizza. I'm just saying I don't believe that it was what caused him to underperform. <laughs> Anyways. So yeah, no, I loved the experience, the cultural moment of watching The Last Dance with everybody. And yeah, it was like nothing else this year. But also like nothing else this year were my top two shows. These might as well be a tie, but I did the thing that I had to do, which was I had to pick one over the other. Um, 
And man, but man, it was hard. I think both of these shows encapsulate to me, um, one, the strength of, the potential strength of streaming shows. And two, uh, shows that like are tapping into a modern sensibility that I think we're going to like, hope, I hope we see more of. And at number two, just barely missing my number one spot is Ted Lasso. I thought when I was watching this thing, this was easily going to be my number one. Um, but after some consideration, something else stepped above it. But I really, really enjoyed Ted Lasso more so than I thought I was going to. I got some tip-offs on Twitter and on some podcasts I was listening to that was really quality entertainment. I watched it and I was hooked. I binged the, the entire series over the course of a few days. Um, and yeah, everything you say, it, I said about it in your list is 100% accurate. It has warmth to it. It has great writing and characterization. It's balance between comedy and drama is a perfect tightrope walk. And when you consider that it's from the people who brought you shows like Scrubs and Cougar Town, makes it even more unbelievable that they were able to pull off something with genuine human pathos. Yes, I realize that a lot of episodes of Scrubs took the, you know, this is a very special episode where they talk about something that really matters, but they only really pulled that trick once a season, whereas this is a show that is focused on that balance and focused so much on that feeling. And I think that they've managed to break even between modern sitcom and modern um, um, prestige show in a perfect way. They've melded those two arts together in a way that I don't think any other show really has. So yeah, no, I loved every moment of the, the character arc uh, with Ted, with all the characters that surround him. Just, just every single character is just given so much life and so much humor. And yeah, you're right. Ultimately, it becomes a, positive, a story about positivity. And I think that it takes the torch that was left by The Good Place and runs with it, which is a show about just people who want to make both themselves better and want to make the people around them better, which again is something that I treasure and love in media that I absorb. And Ted Lasso was this year's prime example of that. And the best news about it is it's not ending. It is continuing. And I can't wait to see more of the show and more things that they do in this world. I think it got season three confirmed ahead of its season two. Yes. So the fact that we got two years more uh, this I, we're going to be talking about Ted Lasso for years to come on this podcast, I'm sure. And I'm glad. I'm excited to see how it goes. Yeah, I'm surprised. That's two sports-related shows on, I your, know. on your list. Sports. Who uh, are you? <laughs> story of the year, I think, 2020 overall. Sports. Man, what a wild ride it's been. But number one on my list is not sports. It has nothing to do with sports. In fact, the characters on this show would probably never play sports unless they were forced to in a weird alternate universe reason they were caused to through like maybe aliens or, or maybe some sort of magic event happening. And that show is something that I want, but judging by the, fa by the face you're making is something you've forgotten that happened this year. <laughs> I'm looking at the list that we have here. I'm like, okay, I think I know what it is. And that is HBO Max is close enough. Yep. <laughs> See, I I didn't list it in my uh -huh. in the uh, in the wrap up other shows. Yeah, because I thought it might be on your list. And it is not only on my list; it is on the top of my list. Because the more I think about this show, I am astonished that it got made. And that's not a bad thing. I think that it's just, 
thanks to streaming being a thing, a creator was able to make the thing that he's always wanted to make. And so, yes, um, JG Quintel, the creator of Close Enough, had regular show for years on, on Cartoon Network. But I don't, but I think it was just, just out of reach of what he wanted it to be. He wants, he's clearly at his best when he can write a show about just a bunch of friends slash roommates, or in this case, a couple, just hanging out and having weird ass stuff happen to them, just alternate universe things. But the reason why it's number one on my list is because it captured modern, well, I guess now pre-pandemic society um, as it is, just the feeling of being a a millennial in the world right now and all the trials and tribulations it comes to it. I mean, there's a, there was episodes of the show where they try so desperately to relive their their 20s by going to a club and then end up getting threatened, their lives threatened because of it. There's episodes, which is conversations that I've had in real life at this age. There's episodes of, that deal with about being a parent of a very young child and being and having a, a sister who also has a young child uh, in real life. It reminds me of conversations I've had with them in their lives kind of post having kids. And like just episode by episode, there's so many things in this that I saw reflected right back at me in my own experiences that I was like, there hasn't been a show like that for me. I think with television, creators have, um, you know, obviously you're told to write what you know, but what that ends up being is that you have a lot of shows in television history that are about very rich, affluent lifestyles, very like, you know, like your friends, your Frasers. It was always people who could afford very large apartments in very big cities. Or it's about families. It's about nuclear families uh, and their struggles. Very rarely do you show, see a show that is straight up, these are just people trying to make it by, like just to get by and live their life as they can, jumping from job to job. And the fact that JG is able to do that at the same time of having a universe where literally anything can happen thanks to intervention from alternate dimensions, magic, fantasy, just whatever the hell he wants, acts as an even stronger metaphor. Because in a year like 2020, we have proven that weird ass things can happen in real life too. So the line between the weird of fantasy and the weird of reality is getting so blurry that a show like this to me encapsulates what it is to be a person now. <laughs> so yeah, no, I just... Loved every Does second. This show hit a little too close to home, though. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that ultimately, and again, this is a show that we were guaranteed already a second season of. So it just goes to show, like that's why I kind of tucked away the shows that were over at the end of this list because there's nothing but promise in every single one of these four, sh- or maybe not the last dance, but all the rest of these shows that I listed on this. There's promise for a new decade of great television that's going to just be amazing to watch continue. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I liked it. I turned you on to this show. Mm -hmm. Uh, When it came on HBO Max, like, you need to watch this show. Please watch the show. Mm -hmm. It's right up your alley. Oh, yeah. No, it's great. And it's a great show. I'm trying to figure out why I put it on my list. I think it was just, there's just, and that's the other thing is that- no, like, all, It's short. It's eight, eight episodes, I think. Right. But um, it's, it's eight half hour episodes. So it's really four hours. So yeah, it's not a whole lot when you think about the amount of television we watch. And yeah, so I think that's what the story ultimately of these lists is, is that there was just so much 
that it was hard to narrow it down. There was so much great television this year and middling television and not so great television. Every kind of show that you'd want had some sort of existence this year. So uh, now we have the hard part of picking one show uh, between the two of us. Uh, well, we have two hard. Yeah, we have two pieces of crossover here. We Three. have The Last Dance and Ted Lasso. Well, The Good Place also crosses over. Yeah, but I think that ultimately we gave The Good Place so much love in the previous years. I think we should focus on something new. All right. So then it becomes The Mandalorian. I mean, <laughs> The Last Dance and Ted Lasso. Okay, so two sports shows, two very different approaches. One a comedy, one a documentary series. So here's how I view it. Okay. If you're talking about what is the most 2020 show, <laughs> it's The Last Dance. <laughs> if you're talking about what's the best thing on TV right now, it's uh-huh. probably Ted Lasso. Yeah, and that's really, really tough. because and that's where as... you split the hairs. Of, yeah. Do we reward the show that is 2020, or do we reward the show that we both generally like and want to see mm-hmm. more of? Because we're not um, going to get more of The Last Dance. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I think, that maybe in the last, that's in Ted Lasso's favor. Um, I think The Last Dance was a zeitgeisty moment. I think it was a really cool, like, uh, thing that everybody was watching at the same time. And it was a really well-produced, well-done thing. That being said, it ends. Like, it ended, and it's over, and we'll have similar things production-wise, but we will never have The Last Dance again. So, yeah, it does kind of put it within, like, its own little bubble in 2020. Which to me, yeah, it makes it very 2020, but does it make it the best that television has to offer? And I think for the amount that it does, the amount of promise that Ted Lasso has, and it being um, um, some symbolic of streaming this year, I think that also that's also something in Ted Lasso's favor. It is something that is on a streaming network. And as we go on, those are going to be where the shows are. The SBN model is not going to be the model. And I think that is going to be one of the last, the last dances between us and something big zeitgeisty like this being on a traditional cable network. Right. And the last dance is finale. Right. That's it. But also it's available on ESPN plus for any time you want to watch it. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Having ESPN plus though, not really Nothing irking me to go that way to watch it again. Right. That being said, it is still the very most 2020 show there is. It is. So my opinion, I'm leaning more toward Ted Lasso, uh, mostly because I think that it's something that could potentially be more rewatchable, something that we're going to remember more because it will be continue on beyond just this year. Um, I think, yes, whereas The Last Dance for me was a very interesting zeitgeist and a moment to be alive for and... Like I said, very well done. I just don't think I want to reward it as much as I want to reward Ted Lasso. I am fine giving Ted Lasso the (laughs) trophy because I think that come next year and the year after, assuming we're still doing this podcast, (laughs) Ted Lasso may very well still be our number one show. It might if they keep, keep kicking ass on this show. And I think they have the potential to do so. Um, then yeah, I don't see why not we that why we don't talk about this in the years to come. I think it will reappear. So yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm good with that then. Cool. So anything else we want to mention about shows we I 
think I mentioned what I wanted to mention uh, for the most part. Yeah. I'm looking at this list. Yeah. Uh, I, think I, I mean, mentioned. It, we, we would give it to Jeopardy pretty much all the time, but there's one thing that you have on this list um, that I'm going to save for movies because I think that it doesn't belong in a television conversation. But besides that, I think, uh, no, but you're very close. Think earlier in the year. Uh, oh, it's the other one. Yeah, it's the other one. That is a movie-ass movie. So I will talk about that in the movie podcast because that is- It's up here. There it is. I knew it was I, up here No, somewhere. no, no, no. The other one. Remember, there were three. <laughs> oh, this one. Yeah. The first uh-huh. one. The movie one, not the concert one. Um, so yeah, keep, keep a tab on that one for the movie podcast because that will be on my list. All right. We'll get there. But yeah, um, yeah. In a world of streaming, where you had stuff on Disney Plus on mm-hmm. streaming that were feature length films, yeah, we kind of had to basically cut it down to episodic, being a TV. Yeah, and I think that's what we're gonna do for uh, for the movie podcast when we get there. Is if something was a theatrical presentation that happened to be on a streaming service, it will still count. Yep. Well, that will wrap up our television discussion then. Uh, for our 2020 year-end wrap-up here on the Media Boat Podcast. We are not done recapping the year. As we mentioned, we have already completed shows about video games and music. Those are up on our channel right now. If you want to listen to those, uh, you can access that by searching Media Boat Podcast on any of the podcast services. If you uh, So go catch up on that and find out what we voted in those categories. But in the meantime, stay tuned for movies, our next and final of the four categories, uh, which should be up tomorrow, or if you're listening to all of these at the end, right now. And then after that, we will have our Anticipating 2020 podcast, where we talk about the future. So, Media Boat Podcast, search that on any of your podcast services, and you can find us. Yep. And if you're listening to us in the future, and it's available <laughs> right now, go over there, because right. it's available. Do it. Right now. All right. Okay, bye. Bye.